Okay, so first things first, I finally saw Hamilton. I just really want to know what after Hamilton Ryan is like. Like, how has your life changed? Because there's definitely a before Hamilton Laurel and an after Hamilton Laurel. <laughs> okay, so I really liked it and I thought it was very, very good. And I now understand a lot of references. I'm also very glad I didn't listen to all the music. Like, okay. I like now being at the beginning of that of that like finding out about the music phase um mm -hmm. i really like D david diggs yes who plays he is marquis de lafayette and thomas jefferson oh jefferson was wonderful i love king george king the cole wait wait, wait. So we have to go back to david diggs for a second because i was texting with one of my friends who's seen hamilton twice in new york and i've seen it once in new york and i said to her that like I was astounded by David Diggs. I was like, mm -hmm. he, I could not take my eyes off him any scene he was in. And he'd never done a musical before this. Really? Yes. He was mm -hmm. in a rap group, but he never, like, and I think he'd acted a few times, but, like, this is pretty early in his career. I, I just, like, his facial expressions, I'm so glad they did the close-ups. His facial mm -hmm. expressions are, and his delivery of lines and stuff was just so perfect. The close-ups were very good without, I think they did a good job of making me feel like I was watching it on the stage in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. but still like there's a benefit to watching it this way. Yes. I was, I was nervous. Like when they first announced it, I was like, Oh, they're going to just do a movie version of it. I'm just never going to see this thing on stage until it's like eighth run touring production. And it's mm -hmm. like, or like there's the Bastrop uh, opera house around here that we went and saw that really <laughs> terrible uh, dinner theater at. Um, but I, I really liked it. There was, uh, here, there are things that annoy me with musicals with this one. I just found that there was stuff that I was like, okay. And I just was like, give me some more of that stuff I like, which was all the, I was more interested in the like history and this, that, and the other. I, I think I told you this where I, I thought like Hamilton was the least interesting character to me as well as Lynn manuel Miranda, I think being the worst singer and actor oh see you didn't tell me you thought hamilton was the least interesting character i i mean i i disagree with that but i think that they were very smart to make the main character of this story is aaron burr like he is the he is the lead he is the person who is telling the story but i think there's a difference between the the like greek chorus and the lead like the greek chorus is the most prominent figure on a, in a play and i think he played more that part and I think he was involved, obviously, more than the Greek chorus. But he was weird to me because it just felt like he'd pop up. Like, Jefferson felt like a more, like, a bigger antagonist than Aaron Burr. But then at the end of the day, Aaron Burr is still the bad guy. Because they're beholden to how history yes. rolled out. Well, and also Aaron Burr is the reason that Hamilton and Jefferson, he got between Hamilton and Jefferson. Like, any yes. chance. And then, um, you know, when Hamilton picks Jefferson to be president, which if you are like, what, how did that happen? Go listen to the election of 1800 from Hamilton. Cause I was like, what? Um, it's like, that's just like the last straw for Aaron Burr. I, I think it's fascinating cause rewatching it or watching it this time was to just watch Aaron Burr unravel and to watch like the wonderful acting by Leslie Odom Jr. In the way I, that he expressed, like just performed it. Ugh. I definitely think I need to see it again. Oh, um, I guess Tara, I Tara was bawling during certain parts of parts of it tara um, tara welcome to my life i i'm there's then, now there's now fewer songs i have cried in than songs i haven't in now don't get too like 
I, I will tell you, she also cried later that evening when Randy Quaid sacrificed himself to blow up the mothership at the end of Independence Day. So maybe she just cries at a lot of things. <laughs> Tara, I, I too have choked up at that part. So that part's great. We, we do you know originally he wasn't supposed to do that? Like that was a re-script. No, I didn't. O- originally. When he goes, like, I can fly, they go, no. And they tell him no, and he leaves. And then he shows up later in his, like, barnstormer plane oh. with a with a missile, like, taped to the side. And they showed that. Th- we, of course, have the Blu-ray special edition. And of course. They were they were talking about that. And, he, and it, they were talking about how bad it was. We watched it like, oh, yeah, this is really a bad idea. Because he just shows out, up out of nowhere and is like, I'm going to fly it into the thing and blow it up. And it's like... Oh, so you were always expecting this to be a suicide mission. There was no, like, decision of becoming the hero. He was just like, ah, I'm just going to kill myself. Like, Yeah. Um, it was bad. But well, I, I I will just say, I, I'll have to offline with Tara about where she cried, because I'm curious if we have any parts in common. Um, I I could hit you with some of them if you oh, want. Oh, yeah, please, please do. Philip's death seemed to get her a lot. Yep. She, she cried a lot at... Angelique was that her name? Angelica. Being like, oh, Angelica. I Satisfied. can never be with him. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That. Yep. The cried, part, but and um, I cried. Cried in. Um, when I saw it in New York, I cried in. I'm pretty sure I cried in Satisfied when I saw it in the theater. Uh, Molly Posey's mom. Apparently, I talked to her because she's a big Hamilton fan too. Apparently, when she saw it in theater, she just cried from start to finish because it was so like I'm here watching this after like enjoying it for so long. I, and the I person next shook. to her gave I shook her for the first whole entire song. I realized yeah. I was shaking like by the end of it. <laughs> That's the thing. I I think the only thing I had heard from it was the first song. The I'm not throwing away my shot oh that's but that's which, not the first song that's like the fifth oh song. no 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 the, the, the well that's the other is thing alexander is alexander hamilton yes and it's everything that's the other thing about it, is everything kind of so i went in and he starts off as kind of they're rapping the i'm alexander hamilton part and i'm like okay I, I know what this is i'm like this is just it's cool the whole thing is just gonna be a rap musical it is not it is like r&b and there's some jazz stuff and i love one of my favorite contextualizations is is King George, who has no business being in this play at all, but is one of the best parts of the whole play, just will come in and kind of be like, here's the the, the English side of what's going on. And it's presented as a breakup song, like yeah. every time. And it's amazing it, as a as a like as a dude being like, you'll be back and just like doing all this stuff. And it's so good. Yeah. Um, but I, and I think that's what kept my interest in it because I was like, okay, this will be like, be cool. Oh, God, it's almost three hours long. And they're just going to rap the whole time. No, it's all sort of stuff. Now, between each scene, it feels like they rap to get to the next thing, which makes it feel more like an operetta to me or an opera. But they can call it, you know, like there's no spoken words in this. It is no, like, all it, it, If performed. you have the cast album, you have the entire show minus yeah. one part that Lin-Manuel Miranda didn't want to include on it. And he wanted it to be something that people could see in the theaters. Yes. Um, in the theater. So, like, it has... Me, you, you don't miss a single thing like mm-hmm. yeah you, if you know the worst of the cast album like i do you know the entire musical so but one thing that i highly recommend is this book if you can see how thick it is called yes. hamilton the revolution I'm homework apparently and it's basically <laughs> the like dramaturg version of this where like it goes through each song and lynn manuel's oh. footnotes is in it and it is like wonderful is it also I, going through the history like um, not just the history of the musical but what's happening it's, you know, in it's been a while since i looked time. through this um 
No. Yes and no. Like it talks about why they make New York City a character in the in the musical. Like you know the fact that it's set in New York is such a that set is very like combination extremely minimalist and also very well done yeah it's um they go a lot into the different actors in the original cast i think that for the history they want you to read hamilton by ron chernow <laughs> mm-hmm. um so no, it doesn't necessarily go so much into that there are several articles though about like fact checking the history and Lin-Manuel miranda is honest about that he's like i change timelines and relationships to make it work for my show like he's, yeah. for example, Angelica Schuyler was already married when she met Alexander Hamilton and, and Eliza met him and lived in London for like 10 years of like the time that, that she, he was married to her sister. So like while they were very close, it wasn't like she was like, oh no, I set him up with my sister. I, I will tell you one thing that I really hated about the, the play and it okay, was how tre- much tread they lightly, dogged. Tread it was how much they dogged on John Adams. <laughs> Just because uh, if you have a chance to see, and if you, sh- you should see this too, there's a mini series on HBO about John Adams. Yeah, with Paul Giamatti and Laura Lenny. Oh, it's, yes. And uh, I was, it, it, well, hold on. I was just uh, like, I saw that first. So I was like, John Adams. They may kept going, John Adams, and like laughing. <laughs> and it was a funny bit, but I'm like, John Adams is, is great. Like, I was, well, it, there's just like the John. Team it's, Adams, hashtag Team Adams. It's funny because uh, Paul Giamatti was, I think, on like Conan or Jimmy Fallon or something around the time Hamilton became popular, and they asked if he'd seen it, and he was like, "No, but I, I hear that like I'm in it a little bit because you know they talk about John <laughs> Adams. They're like, yeah, you don't come off so well." <laughs> but so well, it's, I don't think they come off as bad. It's just he's well, kind he, of a we come off as joke. somebody who like is like doesn't do anything and was a terrible president, um, <laughs> which is. So wrong. <laughs> well, I know. So in uh, one thing, you know, I, I follow Lin-Manuel Miranda on Twitter and anything he writes, I read. Um, he s- had to leave out a whole section about the, whis- about the Whiskey Rebellion, which is apparently where John Adams and Alexander Hamilton's like schism happened. And so he was like, mm-hmm. I'm, he has said that he is upset that he never got to. Oh, actually, I take that back. That may be about James Madison. There's a John Adams song that got cut. On that. Oh, then, that, then maybe that is what I'm thinking of. Yeah. About, well, I, yeah. That, that was about the Whiskey Rebellion. Um, yeah. I'm going to go back and watch that one, too, because I it, I, I think Adams is, is, is presented as kind of a fuddy-duddy because he was very, like, he, he did not like France, and everybody was over in France doing he, – he thought kind of the same way they thought about Jefferson, where it's like, well, you're over there just being a rock star. Same thing with, with Franklin. And the other thing that I think that's interesting about uh, John Adams is he was like the first ambassador to England after the war. So he had to go up well, to like King George and be like, hello. Well, you yeah. Have to work with us now. I mean, that, that's why when you, when you said that, uh, when you texted me that you just, that George Washington had just resigned and I was like, oh, that's like cried at that in the theater. Um, and mm-hmm. you were like, how dare you say that about John Adams? And then I quoted <laughs> King George's song of like, I know him that can't be. Yes. You mean that little man who spoke to me back when was it eighty five? Sorry, I know too much of this musical. It's um, a great scene in the in the movie or the show because there's this long thing where he's standing out there and they're like, "This is how you should bow to the king," and he's like, "I'm not bowing to that king anymore." And it's like they keep going back and forth of like just court pr- protocol, yeah. like because he's like, "I don't know what to do here." Yeah. Um, well, anyway. Uh, 
we have a lot to cover, so maybe we should hop in. I I am curious where where else did Tara cry? I mean, Philip dying, obviously. The song after Philip dies, it's Quiet Uptown, where it's all about how it's a parent's worst nightmare to have your child die. Yeah, I kind of faded away there because it was later in the thing, and also because Lin Manuel Miranda's like sad voice is just sounds very bad to me. And it's it's too bad because as good of a rapper he is is about as bad of a singer that he is, especially when he is singing yeah. completely by himself. It's just not a very yes. strong voice. Well, I, I'm sure it's fine, but there is so much other talent in the show. Mm-hmm. The women, their voices, Angelica's voice is, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And that's where Tara cried a lot, was anything dealing with uh, any of the women. For, mm-hmm. like, like a lot of their storyline, which I didn't keep my interest, but like oh. that's just... Yeah, I was just like, let's hear more about, like, I don't know. How but then, misogynistic if, of you, just yes, write the, write the women was. out if of I history. If I could silence them, possible. Well, I think they should be in history. I just think as mothers or, uh, <laughs> you know, barmaids is really the only two places they have. Um, um, but you know, no, that, I was just. That, like, people have said that, you know, it's, the play is not called, musical is not called Alexander Hamilton. It's called Hamilton. And they're like, it's about Eliza. Eliza was the least interesting to me. I liked Angelica what? the most. In Sorry, the finale, she when you she lived in oh, the oh, no, 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 no. she the, yes, you know raised she, money for the Washington Monument, spoke out against slavery, the orphanage. Yes, those lists of things she did in the very last verse. There's nothing I like better to play than being told how cool a a, a character is off off stage. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but we ran out of time, guys. So. My favorite part of Greece is when we talked about all the good things Kanicki did after the, <laughs> the car took off. Yes, well, um, all, all this to say, I think we're recommending Hamilton the... Oh, absolutely. I mean, as, as somebody who saw, who knew the cast album, knows the cast album very well, and saw it live in New York, it's it's fantastic. I, I, I'm, I'm not like, oh, it's not like seeing it in the theater. It's the perfect combo of seeing it live, but also being able to see those up-close things that... Well, if you're sitting in the seat I had, you just didn't get to see. <laughs> the biggest thing that sucked to me about ha- Hamilton and well, the whole phenomenon well. of Hamilton is that it became such a phenomenon that it was about reaching across borders to groups. You know, it was it was let's put uh, people of color into positions they wouldn't necessarily be. Let's have a whole uh, 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 play about people in, of people of color, and then prices went through the roof, mm-hmm. and then a lot of those groups couldn't see it. This is a great way for them to see it. Oh, I yeah. also think Lin Manuel Miranda did a, a lot to, like, you know, he took it to Puerto Rico for free. Mm-hmm. He, you know, did a bunch of stuff like that. And there's a lot of things he did. But do you understand what I'm saying? Is like, no, I do. That yeah, it, I feel e- like, even though it was created for the masses, it ended up being only be able to be consumed by yes. like the one percent. I mean, I will say that I like bought my ticket, oh, like nine months before. It, the mm-hmm. tickets had been on sale for approximately 30 minutes. They just opened a new swath of dates. So I was able to get it at list price and list price is even like, it was yeah. a splurge for me. So um, it was definitely not a, I'd say it's still not a very attainable ticket to get in New York. Yeah. But I think we're both saying that this is while not seeing it in, on Broadway on New York is a very powerful way to see it. And something that is about as close as you're going to get without shelling out. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, this is going to be eight dollars a month for one month, as opposed to yeah, fifty bucks for a or ticket. Or guys, save some of the money of buying it from a scalper in New York. Fly to London and see it there, where ticket prices are much cheaper. Even with that flight, still be cheaper. Meant, <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, take a trip to New York and just have your iPad, and you know, one night just stay in your hotel and watch <laughs> it and do other things. Oh yeah, no. All right, so we should get started. Mm-hmm. Because, got some, like I said earlier, we got some we've got meaty episodes to talk about. S- much like the American revolutionaries, we have some tea to spill. <laughs> that was, that was I, pretty good. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I know. You, it looked like you were ready to groan, and you're like, oh. Uh, well, well, you know, actually. <laughs> uh, hello, Seattle. I'm Ryan. I'm Laurel. And we're the Craniacs. If you haven't listened before, because I think we might have some new listeners, uh, we get together once a week, question mark, and we talk about Frasier. Yes. Uh, Laurel here is the expert. She has watched almost all of Frasier. Yes, that was pointed out to me that I've watched almost all of it. Um, For those (laughs) who are wondering what that means, I was watching from like the pilot with my parents live on NBC, just a mere babe of seven or eight. (laughs) Whereas I grew up in a home improvement family and was told by my mother that Frasier was snobby, which is very <laughs> ironic, but we won't get into that. It's also um, true, but... <laughs> yes. Well, I think the character snobby. I don't think the show necessarily Oh, is. yes. Th- that, that's what I meant. That I thought yes. she, you meant she was saying Frasier, the, the character was snobby. You got into Frasier because of Netflix. It was on... Was, isn't that true? Like, it was on Netflix. It came to Netflix a few years ago, and you were like, oh, I've heard some things about this show... I'll give it a try. Yes. Also, my wife uh, had a surgery a few years back. Oh, maybe more years back now since we've been doing this for a while. And she kind of watched the whole of Cheers, and I kept kind of jumping in. And then I was like, she said, I don't really want to watch Frasier. I think she'd had enough of 11 seasons of one show. And I said, well, I might check it out. And then I started talking to a friend. I was like, hey, we should do a podcast about it. And they said, no, podcasts are dumb. And I, that's when Laurel swooped in. Can, yeah, can we? I think we need to paint that that tapestry, <laughs> that, that, that mural a little bit better. You say talking to a friend. You were tweeting to a friend on Twitter. I was talking to a friend, and then Laurel kicked open the door in a very Kramer-esque fashion and came in and said, I want to do a podcast! That's how Laurel sounds. Yes, exactly. I, I lived 1,300 miles away at the time, yet came to your house. Yeah, no, basically, uh, Ryan and I went to college together, and then um, I realized this isn't looking like I follow you to every city you live in, and <laughs> I don't, but we ended up both living in the D.C. area. Um, well, you do, but happenstance. Yes. Not. Yes. Well, not I, like... I didn't. I didn't live in Illinois, so. Um, <laughs> but you really missed out on champagne. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, like I would say, like a few friends I have. Ryan was one of those people I kind of kept in touch with via Twitter, and I have mm-hmm. a certain feed and tweet deck where people I know where all of their tweets go, so I actually see the people that I know in real life's tweets a little bit like without going scrolling through my entire feed. And I was like, oh, ho, <laughs> a, a Frasier podcast. Um, so yes, Ryan kept tweeting to his one friend about how much fun it would be. And I was like, hi, hi, yeah. I want to do a podcast with you. Yeah, that's which it's interesting because I, I and I think I've said this in our one year that this would not be going if not for your persistence. Like, I, I, I think, you know, and it, this is. This podcast works because we, 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 boy, this is going to sound dumb, but this podcast works because we keep doing it (laughs) (laughs) because because we don't stop. Like, 
no, it's very, it's very true. It's very true. Um, I also don't have the urge to stop. I think I told you rather early on when probably when you were in that old job that you really hated and you were like stressed out about a lot of things. And I was like, Oh, if you like don't want to do the podcast anymore, if it ever becomes not fun, that was my thing. I was like, if it ever becomes not fun, this ever becomes a chore, then we're not doing it anymore. Like the last thing any of us need in our lives is one more thing that feels like a chore. So, um, you know what, especially back then, it hasn't felt like a chore yet. That's not the best compliment you've ever gotten. I don't know what (laughs) is Ryan Uh, talking with you. Doesn't feel like a chore yet. (laughs) I, yeah, I, I think at the time it was actually, you're like, if you don't want to do this anymore, I was like, oh, this is one of the few things that's keeping me sane. Yeah. Like, I need something to distract me from the fact that I absolutely hate a job that I thought was going to be a slam dunk. Yes, but, yes. And then so, people, and now Ryan and I both live um, in the same metro area and uh, have recorded in person all of once before I lived here. So. Oh, Yeah. The other thing you should probably know about this show, uh, new listeners, is we are 20 minutes in and we haven't talked about Frasier, and that seems about normal. Yeah, that's 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 pretty normal. As a matter of fact, my college roommate has said before that whenever she just like wants to hear a friendly voice or wants to have like a phone chat with a friend, but like doesn't have time to like hop on the phone with a friend while she's cooking dinner, she will listen to an episode of Craniacs because she knows both me and Ryan, and she feels like we cover. She doesn't watch Frasier. She feels like we cover enough non-Frasier stuff that she feels like she's chatted with us, which I find to be very tough. Do we want to go ahead and jump into this episode? Yeah, let's go. We are on season six, episode nine and ten. Episode nine is Roz Alone. I don't understand the title. (laughs) Is it supposed to be like Roz is alone or? Is that what it is? Okay, I don't know. I, I, I just saw it like minutes before we started. For some reason, I missed the title this one watching it but. so listeners the title is like Roz, second word a and then last word l-o-a-n like alone which is what fraser gives her in the show and i just kept looking at being like Roz alone what well what am i supposed to how am i sp- i don't understand this title what if we made the title of this episode the sticky note we had stuck to the wall <laughs> like with the general as our working idea. title <laughs> yeah um, let me read the IMDb thing real quick. Mm-hmm. Roz is in a difficult financial situation, struggling to pay for her rent and baby clothes. KACL's ratings are suffering as a result of the new format, but the management still will not change it. I don't know if I like that one. I feel like I, it's... I actually feel... And I don't remember what Hulu's exactly was, but I feel like Hulu's was made more sense where it was like, Frasier lends a cash-strapped... Cash or gives cash-strapped Roz a loan, but, but then has problems with how she uses the money. This is all set up, the one I the one I read. Yeah, and I was I was like, oh that, that's appropriate. Um so I actually I remember this episode vividly and I have had so many feelings about this episode throughout the years. I would like to talk about Colette and why Colette didn't become a character because she was wonderful. First of all, you don't know if Colette doesn't become a character. Uh, I checked up and she is only billed as one episode well, of Frasier. Okay, you know, don't ask, you know. <laughs> Well, I went to go um, see who she was because I'm like, do I know this person? Oh, and so she was... I, Gilmore Girls fans, you will recognize her as mm. Nicole Luke's, uh, well, girlfriend and then basically not shotgun marriage, but woman that he marries on a whim and then divorces. Um, yeah, Nicole, who was a fine character, but her voice is very distinctive. So it drove me crazy the whole episode. I was like, why do I know her? <laughs> I, I loved her. She was funny. She had like a very distinct personality. I know we've mm-hmm. seen some people kind of develop. I, I, I just want to see someone kind of become the Gunther of, of Cafe Nervosa. And yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, but I saw it with Colette. You know, that's a good one. I don't think it does. And perhaps it's because Friends was already on and had Gunther. And they were like, we don't need this to be a trope of like 
every cafe but, has a also I, I feel like most coffee shops i go to have such a rotating staff that maybe <laughs> but do you really think a 90s sitcom on, a sitcom on nvc was really thinking let's hold back and not do a trope yes i, feel like, I do think okay. the writers of fraser did not want Fair. to be All like right. any other sitcom yeah um i will also say her whole bit of like knowing everything that happened in the in the thing that was her whole bit she knows something and she yeah, walked she, by and she, like oh she eavesdrops gosh. So she, on conversations and then has reactions when people have conversations yes. where what she's heard is relevant i thought that was really interesting i felt thing like that I was, was probably very accurate to like working oh yeah in, why not yeah i just feel like any anytime you're in a position where you just overhear like maybe a receptionist or something i feel like you're just yeah i i also want to say that i took very copious notes but i think very bad notes like i just kind of went okay this is my reaction to the scene but then i didn't link it to a scene so i just have things like ha 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 and <laughs> damn daphne and hooray k-a-c-l okay so this sounds like some of the notes i've taken where I, i've then had to ask you what you think it might be in relation to uh i took i took fairly decent notes so at the beginning they find out the KC, kacl's ratings are in the tank after they are for the first six months of ratings after switching to the salsa um, station premise and they're hopeful they're going to get their jobs back. But Roz points out it's been six months. They, she's cash strapped. Um, mm. So Frazier does Which, one thing my parents will tell you, and I want us to talk about this to never do, which is lend money to friends. Never, I should say never lend more money to friends than you can afford to lose. Well, yeah, my bigger thing is taking Martin's uh, advice of that's not your money anymore. Yes. If Frazier was going to feel so much possession over, I feel like you should have so much oversight over money. He shouldn't have lent it to her. Um, But I think, so that's just what I'm talking about. It's like, don't lend money to friends. Like, unless it's money that you can afford to lose. Like if a friend was like, can I borrow like $3,000? No, I can't afford to just give away $3,000. If a friend was like, can I borrow $200? Sure. Can I borrow $200? (laughs) Laurel? I mean, I'm going to need to know why. I'm going to need to know that you that you shopped the price around. I'm going to need three exactly. quotes. Exactly. <laughs> Here we go. This is the problem, Frazier. L- Laurel Crane. No, you have to go through the same rigors I have to do. If I if anything at work I need to buy is over $15,000, I have to get three quotes, three estimates, and turn those in and explain why I picked the one I got if it did, if it isn't the cheapest. Do I work for you? I'm just saying I've learned some good lessons. <laughs> um, I One of the things I wrote... One of my one of my notes is Bulldog is gross, um, which is I remember is when he comes up and is like super creepy to Colette off the bat. Like, I just feel like we're running out of like kind of charming, gross things for Bulldog to do. And so now it's just gross, gross. I mean, it's no secret that I I mean, I think this is very much a sign of another time when like this character was has been funny a lot longer than. Well, first of all, I don't think this character would really exist in in a TV show about a radio station today. Um, and yeah, I, I don't give my energy towards Bulldog. <laughs> well, he's not in the scene for very long, but yeah. he's excited because he thinks he's coming back. Um, I did like the bit later when they come back and he goes, it feels like we're coming back from war. And he did the like dip. I mean, yeah. The iconic photo of dipping the woman and yes, kissing her. I thought that was funny. It was out of bounds, but it was still funny. To me. I was surprised that they thought like, I guess here's, here's my thinking. I started thinking if I was the station manager and I'd switched to a format that didn't work. I don't know that I would immediately go back to the exact same format. 
I don't that know that I'd be like... manager may not be there anymore. Oh, that, okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, it it was also a huge bummer at the end to watch all the white people cheering while all the Hispanic people were like putting their yeah. stuff in boxes. I was like, Ugh, like that yeah, didn't really... and like that they had the the DJs from the salsa station like fulfilling tropes like that one where he's saying goodbye is holding a soccer ball and I was like, why is he holding a oh, soccer I ball? That. Yeah, he was holding a soccer ball in like as he was like crying while saying his goodbyes. Um, I uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the um, about Eddie feeling a little woozy when Martin is sitting there with him in the ice pack on his head, and he said that a vicious blue jay had been um, teasing yes, him from I the also, terrace. I also uh, wanted to talk about that. So a friend of mine has a has a bird feeder, and in quarantine, she's noticed a lot of blue jays coming around. She's like, it's so nice, they're so pretty, and I was like, be careful, they are mean, and she was like what? And I was like, no, Blue Jays have dive bombed my parents in the backyard. Like Blue Jays are mean. And she was like, they've been fine. Like we've been out of the backyard with them, whatever. Like I see a Blue Jay in the backyard and I go inside. So I'm wondering if this is just something to the groups. Does my family have just a like curse from Blue Jays? Like my mom has been like, like one has flown straight at her head. My dad's had one do that. No, I flat out saw a, a, oh, maybe it was a Cardinal. No, I think it was a blue jay. A blue jay just attacked another bird, and then it, like, fell in our lawn and died. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not meaning to laugh at the bird. Um, <laughs> it just was. I was just like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, those birds are there. Oh, those birds are fighting. Oh, that bird just killed the other bird. <laughs> like, it was just, like, a lot happened in a few minutes. Um, um, there's a squirrel that lives in our backyard that hates Lady, but Lady doesn't seem to care much about it. And yeah. it's, can I ask you a question? What does a squirrel sound like? I, I actually can't think of squirrels making noises. The only thing I can think of is the sound of like squirrels like eating things, like the little like oh, you know like you've never like, had a squirrel yell at you. Maybe some squeaks. It no, it's like chick, 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 chick. and every time I do that, everyone's like, "That's a squirrel." I'm like, "That's how it sounds to me." And so like one time there, so lady went out in the backyard, it crawled up the tree, and goes chick, 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 at her, and I'm like looking for Tara, like. Please, someone else verify that this squirrel makes this noise. Is it the same squirrel? Is it the same squirrel? It is, but I've also looked up online. Like, listen, if you don't think I went down a a, a rabbit hole with this squirrel nonsense, I don't think... It's almost like we haven't done 74 episodes together. (laughs) Because, of course, I was like, I have to prove that this is the sound that squirrels make. You hear that? Yeah. Okay. Leo is interested. So, was I anywhere close? Yeah, you were. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so Fraser becomes concerned about the loan he's just given Roz when he hears that she is having a day at the spa, and this is a sign of like being in your thirties versus being like ten years old when you see this episode. I was like, tell me more about this day at the spa, <laughs> because I have now spent days at fancy spas, very few and far between, but I've done it like once or twice, and. Like what heaven on earth those days are, and I but, was just I was just like I want to know more about this. But weren't we as an audience robbed of comedy gold when they decided not to show Martin go to the spa? Yes, we were. We were. Also, I perhaps it's because it's twenty twenty, but I go to spas. I see. I mean, it's probably like thirty to forty percent men. And not mm. like, and not just men there with their wives. Um, and I don't know. I, I think probably not just gay men. Like, 
I think any man who's like, a oh, spa, after you spend a day at a spa, you will be whistling a different oh, tune. Yeah, and me and my dad, if we ever went traveling and we went to a hotel, we're like, where's your hot tub? Which isn't a spa, but it was always like, we're going to go have a soak in this hot tub. Yeah. So the idea yeah. of like him going and being like, maybe I'm not going to do all this crazy stuff, but I'll go, you know, sit in a sauna, do this. There's a lot of men's health stuff to do in these places. And also, I've never heard of a sauna where you're like, Outside of the U.S., I've never heard of a, a spa treatment where you're like, I'm going to walk around in my underwear and socks. And it's like, it's usually like, please dress to your Yes, undress to your level. comfort level. And most, yeah. it, it's very correct that you say not outside of the U.S. Um, every spa I've been to in the U.S., they give like you a big fluffy robe to wear and it's a delight. Yes. I was in Korea and in Korea, Korean spas, which are, you know, like all the rage, um, you are, it's the, it, for the spa portion where you're actually getting treatments, it's divided by gender and you are bare naked, like a newborn babe. Every single person is, and I mean, it's like, you, like I saw hundreds of people just all, all completely naked and they give you a washcloth. So there's nothing to cover yourself with. It is just, you got to just shake off that modesty real fast. Um, I, I, and there's places around here that do that, but I feel like they just refer to it as a spa. Like if they've been like, ooh, a Turkish bath or something like that, it yes. would have been more like. Although I feel like places around here have to make it very um, like prominent that, you know, it's, I mean, there is no non-nudity option in a Korean spa. Yeah. Um, which is, it, it takes, it's a little jarring, it takes a little getting used to, but then after a while you're just like, okay. Frazier continues to be displeased when he finds out that Roz, when Roz talks about um, going shopping at Bidwell's, which is apparently Maris's favorite store where you get, a, they have a rewards program where you get a dollar for, a point for every dollar you spend in one year. She had enough points for Tony Bennett to come and sing at their house. Um, but <laughs> yeah, and then she talks about going to like um, Lockaloo for lunch and all these different things. And then Frazier decides he wants to talk to her about how she's spending money. But before he can, it turns, she comes over to say that they've got their jobs back. KCL switching formats. They start tomorrow. He decides to put it off, but finally does kind of confront her about it. It does not go well. <laughs> she gives him, writes him the check back. They're mad at each other. He kind of apologizes off on the air. And doesn't she end up asking Bulldog for the money? Because she's like, I just wrote a bad check. Yes. I, it's funny. One thing, whenever he finds out all the things she's spending money on, I always try to remember what her reasons are, which is like her mom gave her a day at the spa. Carol took her to lunch at Lagaloo. The shoes were a store credit and the perfume she bought yeah. just for herself because she liked it. Um, there is one thing I want to talk about that I did a couple. I, I reached out to a, a friend of mine to find I outsource some of this information. So uh, a character that reappears this episode is, is Noel, mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the Star Trek loving fan who is gets in a conversation with Roz and is essentially talking about writing a Klingon dictionary mm -hmm. to which uh, Frazier says, how do you say goodbye? And, and Klingon and like force goes, Chris crush. Mm hmm. Chris Crush is not Klingon for goodbye. I don't have the actual term for goodbye. They don't really say goodbye. They say things like honor to your house and things well, like that. I feel like Noel does start to say like, it depends on who you're talking to. Yes. But so I, I reached out to my friend who's a big Trekkie and I said, is Chris Crush goodbye for uh, in, in Klingon? And he goes, you're doing this for, for Craniacs, aren't you? I go, How do you know? He goes, because when I looked up Chris Crush, the only thing that showed up was used in a Frasier episode. Yeah. I was like, there you go. That so. tracks. Um, <laughs> do you do you want to rate this one? Do you have anything else to talk about? Not really. Do you have any LOLs? Um, I, I don't, no. 
Um, LOLs being, of course, Laurel's... One-liners. Laurel's one-liners. I was like, what does it stand for? I don't even remember. Um, I think I'm going to give it uh, six, uh, let's say six mud baths. I'm going to give it um, seven. um, Ooh, seven. Yeah, I'm going to give it seven frittata pans, which is one thing that Fraser references in the episode. Um, He asks, you know, Martin, if he's seen his frittata pan, and Martin says, (laughs) Marty Crane, have we met? Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so this episode is very vivid to me i remember it very well and i always really enjoy it when it comes around so um yeah I, i'm giving it seven um so, w- what was the imdb rating for that one it was 7.4 okay i feel like that's pretty average right that's not a super high it's rank. actually pretty low for a for a oh, fraser one i interesting. think it's like a, 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 yeah they're usually like high sevens low eights okay um well, now, now we've reached the intermission portion. For those of you who are watching Hamilton, this is when the hourglass would show up on the screen for a minute. Um, um, so we're going to reach deep, deep, deep into the male pattern baldness bag and go back to a uh, an email from our good buddy Hussein. Uh, hi, this is entitled Ski Lodge episode. Hi, Laurel and Ryan. I have not read this one yet, so this is my first time going through it too, so I hope it doesn't say something like I'm coming to kill you and your family. Uh, Ski Lodge episode. Hi, Laurel and Ryan. Ski Lodge is a favorite episode for many, including me, so I decided to rewatch it after your not particularly glowing review back in session 64. I think it executes the elements of classic bedroom farce really well, like misunderstandings and well-timed door slams, plenty of really funny one-liners throughout. But its big flaw is that bedroom farces require characters to be exaggerated and single-minded, so the more their needs conflict, the funnier it gets. On rewatching, I realize it doesn't really work as a Fraser episode because the characters aren't quite right. Especially with Fraser's awful attitude towards women and his nobody wanted me punchline. So I think if it were a standalone play, I'd rate it nine buttered rums. But as a Fraser episode, it gets just five pork nogs. Pork nogs? Is that a is that a thing? No, I think that's an autocorrect issue. Uh, the only thing I could huh. no, yeah. Unless unless I believe Hussein is is our uh, British listener, so that might be something oh, that we don't know about. Okay. Well, you know, uh, I, I oh, is, that, is that the end oh, of the email? Uh, no. Oh, sorry. Uh, no. On a personal note, as a gay teen in the 90s, it was rare to see people like me on TV. Rare still to see a positive portrayal. Here, though, the ski instructor's sexuality was part of the joke, not the butt of it. He was just like any other person in the show. I can't really explain why, but that meant a hell of a lot to me back then. Thanks for the podcast, and hi to Uncle Gary. <laughs> Cheers, Hussein. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I love it. First of Uncle all, Gary, a, a regular uh, bring up, a, a, a recurring character on our podcast. But didn't somebody re- on Twitter refer to him as the Maris of the podcast, like often referred to, never seen or heard from? Um, <laughs> Possibly. Which is so true. Uh, Hussein, thank you so much. I think he verbalized pretty well what you and I, a lot of our problems with that episode of that. I mean, he's right in that in terms of it being like a bedroom farce plot line yes it's executed well it doesn't work super well for fraser so Mm -hmm. i i am particularly enjoyed his his part about uh you know as a gay teen in the 90s it was rare to see people like me on tv i i mean i can't i can imagine but you know that's obviously not not what i went through so it is and, and i agree with you that i feel like the sexuality was part of the joke he wasn't like they weren't making fun of gay people it was part of the farcical nature of the confusion and i think they played it off well and i'm 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 glad to see that like i'm 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 well aligned on that thought do you know what i'm saying like i'm not saying that it's like every you know i'm I'm glad that someone who has a better perspective agrees yes yes so i can i can be like yes okay 
Hussein, also, uh, if you if you'd like, we'd we'd appreciate it if you if you also kind of gave us a perspective on what's what's the the episode I really like, the matchmaker, the, the matchmaker, which Se- which season I, two. I season two, uh, where Frazier's boss is gay and thinks Frazier is also gay and wants to have a relationship with him. I thought that was handled well. I'd love to hear someone who probably has a better perspective of it tell me how tell me what they think. Yeah. Uh, anything um, else in the mailbag? Not particularly in the mailbag, Laurel. Uh, but if you're following Craniacs on Twitter, Craniacs. Or if you have you. alerts set up for any times Craniacs is mentioned on Twitter, which I know so many of you do. We apparently got picked up by, uh, or at least mentioned by a co-host on a uh, another podcast called the what is it called? Kirk Minahan? The Kirk Minahan Show. Yeah. Minahan. Okay. Uh, we got we got uh, mentioned by another uh, uh, by by another podcast, uh, co-host of another podcast called the Kirk Minahan Show. Now, here's how how the, the series of events went down to me. For a while now, I've been looking every day. It tells me I've got a few different Twitter uh, accounts on my phone, and it's like always says you have one Twitter from you have one notification. alert notification on Craniacs, and I go. It's just telling me that, like, did you see this tweet by Perry Gilpin? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. or, no. Yeah. yeah and our, our, our BB Newworth, I think we follow, too. And it's just like, did you see this? And I'm like, and I always sit there and I don't do it. I'm like, I'm not, you're not going to look. Like, it's almost like between me, it's been like, a, you're not going to fall for it this time. It's not someone actually yes. talking about you. So I, so the other day I pulled it up and I looked and it was like, you have 18 notifications. And I'm like, <gasps> Laurel's murdered someone. No, I don't know <laughs> what happened. Um, so I looked on, and the first tweet, I believe, said, I can't believe Craniacs all, already exists. And it was a lot of people talking about, yes, I can't believe Craniacs already exists by Blind Mike. <laughs> and it went from there as I was simultaneously watching everyone write comments about it, like, go to war with them, which I was like, what's happening? And I was trying to kind of nicely and politely be like, hi, <laughs> this is the podcast you're speaking of. What's going on? And we just we, we blew we, up. Yeah, we blew up. Um, and I would say we blew up with a lot of support. There are a lot of yes. uh, Frasier fans out there who are excited about the thought of a Frasier podcast and have now discovered us. Um, a lot of people who said, you know, if you were thinking about starting Blind Mike, if you were thinking about starting a Frasier podcast and or, you know, with that name and it already exists, we stand with Craniacs, which I would like to make into a T-shirt. Please at me if you would like to buy one. <laughs> Um, um, well, so the whole thing, the whole the whole context was is they were talking on the show, and I guess uh, Mike wanted to do a uh, Cheers show and similar, and he said that similar it was, format uh, to us, similar, similar format, format to Craniacs, yeah. And it was all leading to an idea he had had years ago to do a Frasier podcast called The Craniacs. <laughs> so then apparently he looked it up. Uh, I'm thinking he went through the same thought process I did when thinking about how we spell it because when you because everyone's like, well, just do C R A N I A C S. I'm like, that sounds like you're crazy for cranberries. Which you may be, but I don't know if that's really the fan base you want to appeal to. Yes. So, um, well, anyway, I have to say it was it has been a delight of a conversation on there. I found some fellow Ni- Team Niles folks who um, share share my love of Niles. Um, the, the gifts have been... Uh, there really is a Frasier gift for every situation. That's one thing I've really taken away from this whole thing. I was shocked. Like, I just did Frasier, and I guess I haven't done that in a while. But I, it was... it was Everyone was very nice, and everyone kind of came to our defense. And, you know, uh, the, the, the war that has been going on has been pretty, you know... 
it has been honestly just what I would expect a Fraser war to be very respectful. Yes. <laughs> um, although I do like to imagine like Fraser going to war with somebody. I, I can't help but think of the episode when he gets into that fight with a columnist in Seattle and like writes, you know, a strongly yeah. worded letter. <laughs> Is that the one where he gets in the actual fist fight and it's all happening, like, outside? Yes, but Martin, before they can actually get into a fight, Martin's yes. uh, police friends break it up. Yes. Um, right. I feel like the, the war, the, the, like, terms that Frazier would agree to are, like, you know, a blind wine tasting, like we saw him into in the previous episode. And you can sneak in, like, a few really cheap bottles and see if you can trick him. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and, yeah. Well, the other thing I kept posting was the Niles with the fencing Yes. Sword. Like yes. That, that seemed like a duel was appropriate. But thank you so much, guys, for for uh, uh, Mike and, and and Kirk for for mentioning us. I know we're a very tiny little podcast, and if any of you are here because of that, we appreciate you listening. We got a lot of content for you to go through if you want if you want to stick around. Yeah, we've got you know seventy odd episodes, and we tripled our Twitter followers. Not that that was really <laughs> hard to do, but. Yes. But just, I, I do want to do wanna just reach out for just one second, speak directly to blind, blind Mike and let you know that while we're speaking nicely on the podcast, truly and deeply, I will destroy you and everyone you know and have ever loved if you come and take the name of our podcast. We are not kidding around on here. The well, kid gloves are off, blind Mike. Let's, let, let's, the kid let, gloves are off. Let's just say that every, everything has a price. So I, I'm keeping the door open for conversation, you know. Yeah, I had, I had a dream last night that we got offered 10 grand for the name of our podcast. I'm like, there's no way that's possible. Yeah, well, also, I, I wouldn't sell it for 10 grand. I think I'd sell it for more. So Right, yeah. that's what I meant. Yes. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, but. anyway, it's just, it's been, um, it, yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride. It's always, it's always so nice to find other Frasier fans because, you know, being a elementary school age fan of Frasier when it was first on, I didn't have a whole lot of friends to talk to about it. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's a delight as an adult to find more people who are fans of a show that I, I have such fond memories of. So anyway. Absolutely. And if you're an old time Craniacs fan, now may be the time to come follow us on Twitter because things yeah. are going crazy things are heating up we'd like to move on to the next episode i would and i would like to just go ahead and say i very much enjoyed this one. Oh my god i'm so glad <laughs> this is all my, i mean i don't really do vies anymore because i realize all my VIEs are just like favorite episodes maybe not necessarily really important ones to the series vie is a very important episode for those of you who are new um this would be a vie for me okay I good because i think it's a vie for me too like i really really liked it because i'm always a sucker for christmas episodes mm -hmm. i think this one was perfect i think there's there's a little bit of like okay we're really like digging into jewish people here a little bit but other than that i really really enjoyed it so this I episode it was funny is... i thought it was warm season... I, I liked it let's talk about what the actual episode is season six episode 10 yes. merry christmas mrs moskovitz um and basically, Fraser begins dating a woman set up through her mother. Um, the mother thinks that they are that he is Jewish and that she's found a nice single Jewish doctor for her daughter. Um, and a so Jewish they, woman sets Fraser up with her daughter because she thinks he's Jewish as well. That's the IMDb. <laughs> yeah, that, that's such a that's like the overall setting for the episode. And yes. then um, so Fraser, rather than you know having a mature adult conversation because that would not be funny in last thirty minutes, they decided to pretend to be Jewish for this one. And I, mean, I don't blame them. Fraser lived the woman lives in Florida. She comes to Seattle like a few times a year. So mm -hmm. um, 
But just, uh, the mom lives in Florida and comes yes. to Seattle a few times a year? Okay, yeah. She says she was in town visiting her daughter, Faye, and then they right, were going right, right, right. to Miami. So I assume that that's where she lives. Which um, Faye, played by Amy, Judging Amy's. Amy Brinneman, yes, from Judging Amy. Also, she was in The Leftovers. Um, oh, okay. She's, also, very lovely. Oh, I mean, this is like, I would say, prime Amy Brinneman, um, like, Apex Mountain, for those of you who watch the rewatchables. Like, she was, Judging Amy was on and doing really well. I thought, yeah, I thought she looked fantastic. Do you think, do you think she was out of Frasier's League? I, I don't think Frasier, I don't think Amy Brenneman was out of Frasier's League. Because I don't think she's, she's not drop-dead gorgeous. She's just, like, uh, I, I would say, would she, like, they have styled her to where she's really pretty. I, however, have seen her, like, on The Leftovers. They've seen her on The Leftovers. She can look really rough. So... Is she one of the ones that goes to the, like, cult? Yes. Okay. I I thought she looked fantastic. No, she so. did. Like, yeah, but she wasn't a model. Like, it wasn't... Right. She wasn't a model, but I still think she was out of Frasier's League. Oh, interesting. I, I liked her personality a lot, that she used to be a lawyer but, and was now a pastry yeah. chef. I felt like all of that made sense that she and Frasier would have a lot to talk about, but, a lot in common. Right. And I think that's what elevated it because so far Frazier hasn't effed this up. Hasn't mm-hmm. done what he normally does. And this this was again, season six Frazier has been pretty good so far. I don't know if they literally took a look at the end of season five and were like, We're making him terrible and they're trying to make him better. But I think he was charming, he was willing to go along with uh, like he didn't decide to act pretend to be Jewish. She asked him mm-hmm. specifically, I need you to pretend to be Jewish. So it wasn't like Yeah, and uh, I mean I feel like maybe the writers were perhaps a little burnt out towards the end of season five and they took their burnout out on Frasier and they had a nice mm-hmm. summer break away and then they came back refreshed and were able to tweak Frasier a little bit. Um, yes. I love that she was a pastry chef at Le Cigar Volant, which we yeah. you know know is one of Frasier's favorites. I It's so funny because I never noticed that it was called that, but then you said it a couple times. So when she said it, I went, oh, it's that thing the Laurel said. <laughs> like... Yes. Uh, and also, since I watched with captions, I saw how it was spelled, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, also, side note, this is where you're like the most laurelist thing of the pod episode. Uh, when he said he had the Grand Marnier Souffle, um, I've had Grand Marnier Souffle. It's very good. <laughs> I had it at Leo's dad's restaurant. I haven't had it in a long time. We usually we usually get cinnamon souffle there. So, so the woman who played uh, 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 Helen Moskowitz, did her voice sound familiar to you at all? Yes. Do you know why? Um, I saw she was in Wicked. Uh, did you ever see Disney's Robin Hood? Oh, like once as a child. Oh, that's my favorite Disney movie. So, mm. uh, yeah, she is she is Lady Cluck, the oh. the hen handmaid of uh, Maid Marian. Uh, you know, th- these are the type of wonderful uh, Disney tidbits you can find. If you check out uh, Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Anyway, um, but yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I think I just yelled, Lady Clock! Like, really <laughs> loud, like, when I, when I figured it out. That's excellent. Um, um, so, uh, per other Frasier episodes, uh, what, what, did we, what did we call those episodes? Oh, Madcap. Madcap episodes. Yes, this is definitely a Madcap. Just hilarity ensues of Niles mm-hmm. having to fill in for a role in the condo building Christmas or holiday play, which now includes like Jacob Marley and the three wise men. <laughs> um, he has to fill in, of course, as the role of Jesus. Um, well, that's that's the thing is they don't say because so first before we get to that, can we talk about Niles' uh, 
pretending to be Jewish and, uh, and just pulling yes. out every Jewish phrase that ever has happened. Lahayim! <laughs> Mazeltov! <laughs> next year in Jerusalem! That's my favorite one, <laughs> is next year well, in lo- Jerusalem. See, but I also love the setup to that where he goes, he, he pulls them into the room and he goes, What's her name? Faye. Faye is Jewish. We need to pretend like a Jewish. Okay. okay. Like, I yes. like that. That house is like, sure, I've done this, this before. Is such a good Niles episode. Um, also, I think it's uh, Brad on Twitter pointed out that he that the face that David Hyde Pierce makes after he says vetch when he is like, you know, and when Fraser says, go help dad in the kitchen. He's like, oh, all right. You know, he'll just vetch at me. And, he, and then he turns around and gives this little smile. <laughs> He's so I, proud of himself also... for using like Yiddish language. I think this episode is such a good illustration of how if you were a Gentile or not Jewish, how easily, how quickly you can exhaust everything you know about Judaism. You know. Well, I also like the part where he goes, sometime we're going to have to tell dad. He goes, you mean papa? <laughs> that part really made me laugh. I also had to look up after he says, oh, but you know, he'll just vetch at me. And then he says, and frankly, I, d- I don't need the Saurus. And luckily I-, I have captions. So I saw that it's spelled T-S-O-U-R-I-S. So I looked that up and that means aggravating trouble. And not S-A-U-R-U-S, like Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> exactly. Orthosaurus, yes. <laughs> not, so um, I, I had to look it up. Um, Marty as a Jewish father was pretty great. Oh, you never even know I live here because like, just like going into the complaining and they're like, perfect. Like, Martin and Frazier have a disagreement well because Martin will, it's Frazier's year to hang up the holiday decorations or decide on the decorations and he won't let Martin hang up his very tacky Rudolph wreath. So um, I also perhaps did not realize that like, I guess I see wreaths a lot that are all year round wreaths. Like my mom has a 4th of mm. July one. You see, you know, oh, Halloween Tara puts stuff. up a different wreath for every season. Exactly. So when Faye walked in and was like, you have a wreath, you're not Jewish. I was like, oh, I guess. I mean, I know that Christmas wreaths specifically like the different colors and symbolism all like, you know, are very tied to the Christian faith. But I was just kind of like, oh, interesting. Okay. It was also Christmas Eve that might have had something to do yes. with it. Yes. Um, can we also talk about, and I really am interested if we have any, I'd love to hear about this from any Jewish listeners we have. When Eddie runs in wearing the Santa outfit, when Helen has just walked in and Frazier yells, get out! And Eddie <laughs> runs out of the room and he's like, I'm that coat! <laughs> um, yes. I feel like I have some Jewish friends whose family did Santa. Like, they, and I'm curious, um, I'd just be interested to hear from any Jewish listeners as to if their families did Santa or if they didn't, like, how did they handle that in school? I went to a private Lutheran school growing up, so obviously everybody did Santa. But um, I'm just kind of curious as to, like, are, do you have to be, do your parents tell you the truth, but then they don't, they tell you to not tell any of your classmates? Or, like, I'm just, I'd, I'd like to know how they handle that. I, I, you know, it's also, I think part of it was Helen seemed like someone who was, like, very strict and like yes like if, if 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 she's making Faye only date a jewish man like enough to where she's like you have to pretend like you're jewish like she's not gonna yeah, she's, suffer any yes she's not gonna suffer any santa well <laughs> and, and as we learn in sex in the city and which is a basis of a lot of what i know about judaism um when charlotte converts to judaism and she has like it's i don't know august or something and she puts up christmas tree because it's like her last christmas tree because she's converting and her boyfriend is like we can still have a Christmas tree. Lots of Jews have Christmas trees. And she's like, <laughs> no, I want to like, she basically says, I want to do this right. I don't think it's wrong if you're Jewish and have a Christmas tree, but I understand that. Yeah. If you're especially devout, you may not mm-hmm. really want to even flirt with any of the trimmings of Christmas. So let's catch up to what you were saying earlier. So uh, Niles has to leave because there's someone has gotten sick or something mm-hmm. and can't be in the, in the play. And he uh, he's like, who is it? He's like, Mr. Blanchard. Oi, boy, boy. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> and he walks out. So then later they're running around. There's a whole thing where 
uh, Fraser has his tree delivered, and like Marty puts it in the in the powder bathroom, room. and then oh yes, the powder room, and then uh, I guess the ba- the bathroom we have downstairs is kind of a powder room. If it's just a half bath, it's also a powder room. Huh? Didn't know that. So we had this discussion. Uh, so- um, some of the friends of mine who were were having a Zoom call with to celebrate them purchasing a house. They were sending us house listings they were looking at, and I kept referring to powder rooms. Then Clark was like. I've never heard that being called a powder room. And I was like, learn something new every day, guys. I'm the sophisticated one over here. Um, so he puts the tree in there, but then Niles comes back. I forget why. He, his he, yeah, the, the hay in the manger the scene manger is activating scene, his, yeah. as, yeah, aggravating his allergies. He meets his, his nasal spray. Um, but he's dressed exquisitely as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He, the production amazing. value of that costume. I, I was... Yes! The hair! The hair and the beard were just so yes. perfect. It was really Although, good. as we all know, Jesus was a Middle Eastern man, so Niles was entirely too pale to play him. But right, right, we right. had to go with what, you know, what we had. Um, I mean, it exactly looked like David Hyde Pierce yes. as Jesus. How I'd imagine him if he tried to play Jesus. Yes. Uh, this, uh, this is a show that... I wish he comes I, out and then Fraser yells, Jesus! Uh, yes. <laughs> the whole joke. <laughs> I think this is a rare episode where, not rare, but I think this is an episode where it, you really have to like savor it from beginning to end, especially as soon as Helen mm. Moskovitz shows up at their apartment, because so much of it is the physical comedy and the different reactions yes. of the different characters. Um, it's really, I don't know, it's just, it's such a delight. I also loved now being you know, an adult woman, uh, loved the, the Helen and Faye fight when it finally comes out that Frasier is not Jewish. Yes. Now... I loved that, but then I loved even more Marty and Fraser trying to do the same thing, and Marty saying, "We never should have tried this. We're not Jewish." <laughs> like maybe, maybe Mrs. Again. Shapiro down the hall can help us. She's out of <laughs> <Yes>. town. <laughs> ah, so good. Because uh, I, I feel like a, a that is such a trope about like Jewish mothers and daughters, and a lot of mothers and daughters in general. But I thought it was like it was handled so well when when Helen's like, "Sid, we're nearly done." <laughs> Because you do know that with people that you are that close to, you know you can, that your fight will have beats, and then you know that it will end, and it'll all be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have something I want to go, a couple things I want to go back and talk yeah. about. I don't know if you want to talk about this stuff. Okay, uh, I love this so episode. First, we can talk about it all you want. I really want to talk about how well their date went. I loved when he had the escape call, and she went, that was an escape call, wasn't it? And he goes, how do you know? And then her phone rings. And I like that they both like it. I like that he... She's like, hi, are you Fraser? You had the horror-stricken look of someone who's met my mother. Yes, yes. And so I I think I've seen some of... I think I had seen... I don't know where, like, it popped up somewhere. I I felt the the whole beginning scene where he's trying to tell Niles to do all this felt familiar. I don't know if it's... This is an episode that I've seen before or one that's kind of famous or or, or what, but it definitely had a familiar feel to it. Wait, well, what part are you talking about? The, the the part back where he's like trying to explain to Niles, we have to pretend that we're Jewish. Oh, oh, got it. Yes, yes. I I, I, I felt like I'd seen. I'm like I've seen this before. Going back even earlier when Niles is is watching the date from across Nervosa and Daphne comes in and sits next next to him and starts talking about all the ways Fraser's acting that lets her know she he likes her and David Hyde Pierce is doing all of the things as well. I thought it was a really good bit of physical acting by him. Yeah. I mean, you know, he could drop a, a tissue and pick it up, and I would just like swoon. So. <laughs> Um, I did also want to point out that Frederick is not with him again. But he's on an archaeolog- archaeological dig with Lilith. Sure. So also, <laughs> when, so here's the thing. When Fraser said he bought 
Freddie a menorah for Hanukkah. I feel like Hanukkah's typically before Christmas. <laughs> so I was kind of yes. like, wow. But if they're already out of town, maybe he's like, I'll just mail it and he'll get it. Maybe Frazier, maybe Freddie was there for Thanksgiving and we just didn't see it. Um, I also kind of forgot that Freddie Frederick was Jewish. Like, I, I'm sure they've mentioned it, but it's so... The show's so Christmas-heavy that I don't... You know, even when when he was there at Christmas as as, as Frederick, Frederick won. Yes. So. Never to be seen again. Um, um, are, are you ready to rate this one? Because I think you may be shocked at my rating. I, I am. I'm not shocked, but... I am ready to rate it, and I really can't wait to hear your rating. I'm giving it nine Jewish wines. This is probably my favorite episode of Frasier in a long time, if not my my favorite. Oh, I also feel like we're gosh. low rating a lot of stuff. And I was like, I'm always like, well, let me, this one didn't ha-. No, this one was just delightful from start to finish. It, it, it was, it's, it's one I will watch. It is definitely now on the list of Christmas episodes. I will watch. Loved it. Laurel, what did you rate it? I also give it nine nasal sprays. Yes. It was this is such a good I want to like sit in this moment of us agreeing on loving an agreeing episode. On, and agreeing on loving an episode, not agreeing on disliking an episode. Yes, 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 yes. Um, um I yes, I, I'm so glad that we got to this episode. It snuck up on me. Um and I was really concerned because especially when it comes to episodes I really love, you end up not having usually either the same opinion or as strong an opinion as I do. So I'm very glad we were on the same page about this one. I'm glad you didn't tell me you thought it was a VIE because I think it, it would have, I, I don't know why it's, it, it's, it's probably our weird, almost sibling esque, uh, like where you tell, where you tell me something and I'm immediately like, I don't, I don't think she, it's all that great. <laughs> like, well, I, also I am, I, uh, I don't know if this is how you feel. I'm stubborn where when somebody tells me that, well, it's, I'm stubborn when somebody says, I think you'll like this, unless there's somebody who knows me very well, or we have a lot of likes in common. I'm like, you don't know me that well. What makes you think? Tara just told me that like on a podcast. I'm like, I think you're going to like this. I think you're not going to like this one as much. She was like, you know, I love it when you do that. And I was like, oh, I didn't. I'm glad this is recorded for all posterity now. <laughs> but um, yeah, she's the same way. She's like, I think I get away with it because I'm married to her. I've known yes. her for eight years and I'm usually, I have a pretty good track record, but, and I'm not ever like, you like it and then make her do something. Well, yeah. Like, and also like, like this. you are somebody who I feel like could get away with. I, I think yes. you'll like this. I don't think you'll like this. So sorry. My foot is completely asleep. Oh my God. My whole bottom, with, whole bottom of my leg is asleep <laughs> and Leo's on on my lap. Oh God. There's a, oh God. Oh God. Okay. The camera's moving. Everything's fine. Every, Leo's tangled up well, in my headphones. Well, let's oh, let's hit okay. our outro then, if, if 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 that's what's happening. Oh my god, I don't uh, even know if I have a foot anymore. <laughs> guys, if you're worried about Laurel and want to know more, you can you can email us craniacs at gmail.com. That's C R A N E I A C S. We are at craniacs on Twitter. You can search for us on Facebook. Craniacs, a Fraser podcast, oh and then I couldn't remember the word podcast. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh. uh so you can search for that. Uh, that's where the majority of our listeners are. Instead of 20 followers, we have something like 35. Haha. <laughs> and then if you want to check us out, obviously you're checking us out some way, but if you want to tell someone else to check us out, we are on Spotify, Overcast, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, and probably a few other things. Uh, if you check us out, we'd love for you to give us a review. Please give us a five-star review, the highest review possible. That helps us a lot uh, to reach more people, to reach other podcast to reach listeners out there yes um if you feel like giving us a four-star lower review laurel 
might have a better use of your time. Yes. Um, I'm sure that many of us, well, I feel like there's a few ways you could be aware of this story. Maybe you are aware of the comedian Patton Oswalt, um, of whom I think Ryan is a big fan. Maybe you... Oh, if you're going to recommend what I think you're going to recommend. Um, I probably am. Um, maybe you are a true crime fan. Maybe you just remember this story making headlines a few years ago when um, this criminal was caught. But I am going to recommend the HBO short documentary series called All Be Gone in the Dark which is also the name of a book that was written by Patton Oswalt's late wife, um, which I have read called oh, by the same name. Um, and it, it chronicles the Golden State Killer, who was a started out as a serial rapist and then became a serial killer um, in the 70s and 80s in California and was never caught. And they had all of this disjointed evidence. And the book really covers, the book was published, the book, okay, let me put it this way. She passed away before the book was published. The book was published before the person was caught. The person was caught a few years ago, partly because of DNA that the police accessed through uh, like 23andMe, I think. Um, mm -hmm. And the book is very good. I highly recommend it. Um, and I've started the miniseries as well. It's on HBO. And it's I think it's really well done because even though um, Michelle McNamara, his, his Patton Oswalt's late wife who wrote it, she, I mean, she's passed away, but she has so many recordings and videos that she took throughout it that she is very much a part of the documentary. And Patton Oswalt is actually a pretty big part of it. Um, it's an they're hour long episodes. Um, and I just I think it's really good. I mean, part of this is just me really enjoying seeing the, a book that I enjoyed brought to life. Um, the book does make you want to sleep with the lights on and make sure all of your doors and windows was, are locked. <laughs> that was one thing I was going to jump in. I have uh, some friends, like I have friends in our industry who know each other and like they are ladies who love horror movies. And like, I've kind of like them and then some of their friends on Twitter. So like, I, I know a bunch of, of women who are like, they love graphic, gory, horror, horror movies. They love being quote unquote scared. They're not scared of anything. And they're like, yeah, I got to watch only one episode of this thing as it comes out because it is scary. Tara, when we watched it was like, okay, I'm going to take lady out and you're going to come with me. And I'm like, Oh, absolutely. Cause it was late at night. Yeah. And like, we were just like standing there, like looking around and like, all this stuff. and then of course our neighbor came out. I was like, Hey, and we're like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, the, the book especially is very, cause the book, you know, it doesn't know that he's, I read the book after he'd already been yeah. caught, but in the book, like, the book, he's still out there, he's still out there very much. So, and w one thing that's really remarkable in the book and when you watch the series is, I mean, now his victims, it's, it's been 30 or 40 years since some of them have been attacked. And so, but there, they interview them in the documentary and some of them, you know, obviously majority of them have really moved on with their lives, but, um, you, I mean, you still see how much their attack haunts them. And the book also, she's yes. so, I think Michelle is so, good at talking with his victims and uh being really approaching them very appropriately and very sensitively i just i i don't have enough good things to say about it i highly recommend um also if you're a fan of Patton oswalt which i've just started rewatching brooklyn 99 and i'm loving him as the fire marshal it's really neat to see him in a completely like non-comedic role um so he uh so two things first I, uh, I I love her writing too. Now I haven't read the book, but from what they do, like do excerpts from the book and from what they've shown in the documentary, she seems very good at like dealing with the emotion of what's happening yeah. and how they feel and how, sh how just knowing this information makes her feel, which in turn is what we, the viewer slash reader feel. Yeah. I mean, 
uh, Patton Oswalt writes, I'm pretty sure maybe the conclusion of the book and basically says like the, the golden state killer indirectly killed his wife because it like took her, like the search for him and everything just kind of took over her emotionally. And she Mm -hmm. was, you know, she died of an accidental like prescription medicine overdose and, it, like she was taking a lot of different like sleep medications and stuff because she just like couldn't sleep, and um, it's it, it's a sad it, it's a really sad story about how um, how you know how her life came to end. But um, it's... my second thing I wanted to ask you real quick is Pat not this looks like I'm flipping you off. But is Pat Oswalt wearing two wedding rings? Uh, I didn't notice. Take a look next time because de- he's definitely wearing two rings on his w- ring finger because I know he's been remarried, but he's he's very solidly like I am also a widower and yes, like, I yes. love my ex-wife and and they or, seem to have yeah, a very former wife yeah sorry uh, uh, they seem to have a very uh, it is an ex parrot um, they seem to have a very <laughs> healthy relationship about his relationship with his yeah. deceased wife um, yeah. side note you do know that I want to do an acting competition performing the Monty Python dead parrot routine when I was in eighth grade of course it's yes. it's chapter four of my biography <laughs> um you remember how i said that laurel was, laurel looms large in my mind you, remember how i said that one of my dad's proudest moments of me is when i won a free beer at cheers in boston for knowing a bonnie Raitt song yes is that the other uh, the other one is when i won first place and do it acting for a monty python skit so awesome um well we'll have to we'll have to get you to maybe reenact that next time because we have gone way over this time guys we had a lot to talk about that's fine but again thanks for uh it's thanks for listening to us for the first time for the 74th time whatever uh but we will see you next time until then i'm ryan i'm laurel and we're listening bye y'all